and welcome to Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Melissa Lima, your North Coast and Organic Field Services rep, bringing you Season 2, Episode 12. Darby and I will be back in our virtual studio together next week, but in the meantime, we have an episode jam-packed with important updates for our dairy producers as we roll into spring. On tap today is our market update with Tiffany LaMandola. Paul Souza jumps on with some environmental news regarding NRCS funding and also fills us in on the current tricolored blackbird nesting season and what it might mean for a dairy with a nesting colony. And we wrap up today with a labor update from our COVID-19 guru, Kevin Piercy of Armando and Associates. Thanks for joining us this week. Let's jump right in with Tiffany. Hi, folks. Hope you had a great week. It was pretty quiet on the report uh, front this week. Uh, The markets did continue to move around a bit. Um, Blocks ended the week at 172, down seven cents from last week, though at the week's end, the market was sort of rallying back. So hopefully that will continue into next week. We seem to be pretty range bound in blocks. We sort of drift up towards 180 and we find a bunch of sellers. We drift back towards 165, 160, and we find a lot of buyers. Barrels, uh, not so much movement. We ended a penny higher at 146.25. And uh, on the butter front, we gained even more, 11 cents up to 177.50, a price we haven't seen for quite some time. And also non-fat gained up a dollar and three, I'm sorry, a penny and three quarter cents to $1.17. So all in all, a pretty positive week in price movement territory, which is um, really kind of welcome to sight given the fact that we're kind of smack dab here in the middle of spring flush. There seems to be plenty of milk out there, also plenty of dairy products, no reports of any shortages or hard time finding or sourcing product. Um, But at the same time, I think some little bigger glimmers of hope on the demand front. Food service orders seem to be picking up as more and more folks are venturing out and uh, retail is still holding in there. Uh, Meanwhile, a few more kids are back at school, um, so all in all, things are looking a little bit better. So for now, demand seems to be kind of keeping the supply uh, relatively balanced. Markets are kind of holding in the current range. Uh, The other thing sort of in the mix is government uh, dollars. We know there's a lot of money there, a lot of money towards food aid. Uh, They did hold a listening session this week on the food box program. Uh, we don't have any uh, input yet onto you know whether they'll continue that program or revamp it. Suspect you know something will continue, but it could look a little bit different. There's also quite a bit of Section 32 funding in the mix, and also some funds left over from the CFAP funding last year, as well as more dollars in the new stimulus bill. So, not a lot of details. We know there's money there. Um, still waiting to hear just how. Uh, that money will will roll out through products, and I think that's you know keeping the market supported a bit too as that uncertainty persists. Um, at the end of the day, though, it is providing uh, really nice futures markets out there, particularly in the class three space. Um, so some really nice milk price floors and different risk management strategies can be had if you are interested in um, any of that or have any questions. Please feel free to reach out to me. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk with you soon. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. 
As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with a relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at YosemiteFarmCredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Hello, this is Paul Souza with Western United Dairies again. Uh, glad to be back on the podcast. For you. Um, first, I'm going to talk about a uh, relatively new CS uh, funding program. Uh, dairies are very familiar with the EQIP program or the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, and they've used that for many years. Uh, NRCS has been a great partner to dairies uh, to help get things done on the dairy, build uh, pipelines, flow meters, um, concrete pads to store manure, uh, those kinds of projects through the EQIP program. But uh, NRCS also has this Conservation Stewardship Program, or CSP, as I'll refer to it. Uh, and it's not been used so much on dairies. Uh, most dairies are not familiar with it, but NRCS does have a lot of uh, funding in that program and they're uh, actively um, you know, looking for folks to participate in that. Uh, there are some opportunities for dairies uh, potentially to focus on that. And so I wanted to talk to you about that today. The CSP program uh, is focused on operations that are already doing a good job with environmental issues and then paying them for their good efforts. Uh, efforts like providing wildlife habitat uh, and those kinds of things um, are what that program is really designed for. And, and maybe it's a really great fit for our North Coast producers. But like I said, they do have a lot of funding and they're trying to get that out there, trying to line it up with more operations. Um, they recently extended their deadline to April 7th. Uh, so that deadline is quickly approaching. Uh, but you have a little bit of time to see if maybe your dairy can fit into this program. Uh, in the Central Valley, for those dairies, uh, what this program may fund is uh, irrigation water management plans. There's a lot of things around irrigation water management. If you're doing a good job, uh, they'll pay you to bump up to the next level, uh, including doing pump tests for pump efficiency, um, potentially putting variable frequency drives on pumps um, to um, save energy and uh, be able to control the amount of water going onto a field. Um, they would also do uh, nutrient management plan implementation and uh, conservation tillage. So if you're interested in those practices, um, this might be a fit for you. Uh, it is a new program for, to dairy and we're trying to see how we can you know, fit dairy into it. Uh, the best way to figure this out is to contact your local NRCS office, kind of walk through them what you're thinking about and they can talk to you about what potentially uh, this program can fund. I would really love for dairies to be able to participate. And I know NRCS is trying to expand the practices that they have in this program because there is funding. Uh, this program is not part of the regular EQIP uh, caps. Normally there's a $450,000 cap per farm bill that you can spend in EQIP, but this program is not under that same cap. It's got its own separate cap. So um, those are some reasons why a dairy might want to engage on the conservation stewardship program. Next, I wanna give you an update on the tricolored blackbird. We recently did a podcast on that where I went into a lot of detail. Uh, you can check that out if you have more questions on the details, but um, I wanted to get into it. We're in nesting season. Actually, there's a, a couple of uh, dairies that have nesting colonies in Tulare and Kern counties already. 
and there's folks out in the field from Department of Fish and Wildlife um, looking into that and looking at those colonies. And uh, I've made some contacts already to dairy producers that may have colonies nesting in their fields. I do want to have a reminder, um, NRCS again, which I was just talking about, is a partner in providing the funding for this through the RCBP program that Western United Dairies, Audubon of California, Dairy Cares, and the California Farm Bureau Federation have worked together to secure that funding to pay dairy farmers that may have nesting tricolors in their fields to offset the costs um, of delaying the harvest on those fields until the birds have completed nesting. So nesting season is here, just kind of be on the lookout for that. If you get a call from me or if you see uh, you know, a lot of uh, birds in your field and somebody out with binoculars looking at them, uh, just be aware that this might be an issue and we are contacting folks usually from Merced County to Kern County is where these birds will nest uh, right about this time of year. Um, they take about 45 days to nest from when they start building nests and uh, they are listed as a threatened species under the California Endangered Species Act and um, it would not be a good idea to uh, harm them if they do come to your property. If you have questions on this, you can feel free to contact me at the web office or Darby. Uh, she is also up to speed on this. So with that, thank you and uh, have a great week, everybody. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Hi, we'd like to welcome back to the podcast our friend at Ramondo and Associates, Kevin Piercy, the guru of all things COVID-19. Welcome back, Kevin. Thank you. It's, uh, it's nice to be back. Uh, a title you probably never expected you'd have, but we <laughs> so appreciate all of the info you've brought our members over the last year. And there's some, uh, once again, some changes to the COVID-19 regulations. So we thought we'd have you back, Kevin, today to talk a little bit about SB 95. That's a, it's kind of a big deal. And we're wondering if you could share a little bit about what SB 95 is and what it means for employers who've had a COVID positive employee. Okay, yeah. Um, so on March 19th, 2021, Governor Newsom uh, signed into law Senate Bill 95. And Senate Bill 95 created the uh, quote unquote new COVID 19 supplemental paid sick leave. Now, this may sound very familiar to, to everybody listening because we just had a supplemental uh, you know, paid sick leave for COVID 19 in 2020. Um, but that was, remember, that was tied to the FFCRA and it expired right. alongside that. Okay. Uh, this new bill creates the same thing, essentially, but for, um, for 2021. Now, there are some, some big differences in this as well. So this bill applies to all California employers with 25 or more employees. Or okay. sorry, with, so sorry, with more than 25 employees. Okay, so a lot of our dairies may not have to worry too much about this. Yeah, yeah. We, now, so we definitely you, have some bigger dairies that will. Yes, yes. And uh, so there's a couple things here. Uh, remember that when we're tracking these, kind of like with FFCRA, is 
when you calculate the number of employees, it's calculated at the time that they're asking for and to use the leave. So if you had uh, 24 employees or 25 employees, and then you just hired on a new guy, and then someone wants to take the leave, well, now it qualifies. But or if you had 26 employees and, and one of them quit for whatever reason, and then another employee says, well, well I, I'm feeling sick and need to go out. Technically, you don't have to um, follow this new COVID-19 supplement paid sick leave because you've now okay. fallen below, below that threshold. Okay, okay. Uh, also, one of the big takeaways on this one is it goes all the way back. It backdates to January 1st, 2021. So if you were eligible oh, okay. back then, wow. and you, if you had employees that were eligible for, for COVID-19 supplemental paid sick leave, and um, you know, you, you're now going to have to go back and uh, provide them those benefits. And this yeah. will all go into effect on March 29th. Okay, so it's kind of important because there were quite a few positive cases happening in that January, February timeframe. So we need to remember that this is a retroactive law that covers all the way back to January 1st. Yeah, okay. and it also covers, uh, so uh, the specific things on which it covers. All right, so a covered employee is any un employee that's unable to work or telework uh, because that covered employee uh, they are subject to a quarantine or isolation uh, uh, related to COVID-19, standard what we've seen before. That uh, They have been advised by a healthcare provider to self-quarantine due to COVID-19 related concerns. Again, that's a very standard thing that we've, we're already used to. This is where it starts to change. That the employee is attending an appointment to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. Hmm. Or if they're experiencing symptoms related to a COVID-19 vaccine that prevent the employee from being able to work or telework. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then there's also, if they, if they have symptoms of COVID-19 and are seeking medical diagnosis, as we've seen before, uh, if they're caring for a family member who's subject to an isolation or a quarantine order or uh, guidance, or who's been advised to self-quarantine. And then of course, our childcare friend, uh, if the employee is out because they're caring for a child whose school or their, their place of care is closed or otherwise unavailable due to uh, COVID-19 related concerns. Okay, okay. So that's a lot. There's a lot in this. And what we'll try to do, Kevin, is maybe make an outline this week for our um, updates so producers can know exactly what SB 95 means to them, depending on their size and, and what issues may arise from it. But it's really important because a lot of folks do have side effects from the vaccines. We had a lot of our farm workers vaccinated in my district last Friday, and there was quite a few guys who called in sick Saturday. They received the one dose, which wasn't supposed to have side effects, but a lot of guys ended up with like a fever. So we need to be really certain that if we have 25 or more than 25 employees that we're covering those instances as well. Correct. Okay. Well, speaking of vaccines, we'll use that as a segue. Um, <laughs> as I mentioned, we've been helping connect producers um, and farm workers with their county entities that are providing vaccine clinics. And one of the big questions, Kevin, that we've been getting a lot is, should I make vaccines mandatory on my farm? So the basic short answer is, drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the answer is no. Okay. Now, now this is, uh, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, one, it's, I think it's touchy of uh, uh, bringing in uh, mandating employees get 
uh, but, you know, have for medical procedures regardless. Sure. But specifically yeah. in this situation, um, these, these aren't FDA approved vaccines. We're not allowed to mandate them by law. Okay. Now, and this, is, this may be very shocking to people because uh, this has been in the news and, and it's been in uh, you know, different reports and different organizations are putting out. Now, you know, the DFBH just put out recently a thing saying um, that you can, you can require employees to, to, get, to take FDA approved vaccines. And these, um, the way that these get phrased, it kind of muddles the situation a little bit because that is true. If it's an FDA approved vaccine, you can, you can require that your employees take it. However, the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, not a single one of these three have been approved by the FDA. They are right. what we call emergency use authorized right. vaccines. Okay. Um, so while it's in EU, uh, EUA, you can't require that the employee takes it. In fact, you have to let the, you know, when, when they go to, to uh, get the vaccine, they have to be informed that it's not required, that they can't force you to take it. Uh, so, right. so it's uh, a lot of protections on that one. Totally. And I, I definitely got a little handout when I went to get my vaccine that said, this is not an approved vaccine. They give you a little paragraph and the nurse gives you a spiel. So I think the good message probably for us to give to producers is if employees choose to get the vaccine, we should support them in that, but certainly yeah. not make it mandatory and um, let them make their own informed decisions, which I think is probably good advice for a lot of things in, in these day, this day and age. Absolutely. Cool. Now, this, uh, th these trials... Uh, from what I, uh, what I recall is that they are going to be ongoing. Uh, they're going to be monitoring yes. the, the long-term effects of these until uh, I believe at the earliest is January of 2023. So mm -hmm. we probably won't be able to even require, it, it probably won't be, be uh, receive the FDA approval until then. And uh, so we, we aren't looking at, um, at mandatory vaccines until it's been FDA approved until approximately 2023. Awesome. Okay, well, all good stuff, good information for producers. Any other labor updates, Kevin, um, in relation to COVID-19 or anything else you think our listeners may need to know going forward into the spring? Uh, so one thing I do want to point out about uh, SB95 is, um, as, as a lot of the listeners might, uh, might recall, Cal OSHA has their new emergency uh, temporary standards requiring that employers uh, maintain an employee's earnings when excluded from the workplace due to COVID-19 related uh, reasons. Uh, as part of SB 95's, um, uh, as, as part of the actual language of the bill itself, it explicitly clarifies that um, the benefits under SB 95, they do satisfy those Kalosha emergency temporary standards. So That'll okay. be a, a way that you know you can you can use for for the you know for that reason. I know there has been a lot of concern about that as well. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate the update, Kevin, and we're gonna rope you into maybe um, working with us on a little update for our newsletter so that producers can see in writing kind of the conditions they need to follow. But thank you so much for always taking time to come on and update us on all of these new, as we always say, changing, ever changing regulations <laughs> is related to you know, generally labor regulations, but also especially COVID-19 this last 
12 or 13 months. So thanks so much, Kevin, for your time. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our communities safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pge.com safety. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. We want to give a huge thank you to Kevin Piercy of Armando & Associates, as well as our own Paul Souza, for joining us on today's episode, and thank you to all our listeners and members. Remember to reach out to us with questions, comments, and content requests at wud.pod at gmail.com, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. Have a great week. While West United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, Please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies' generous 2020 business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com.